Dr. Arthur Perry. He's one of the top plastic surgeons. He's got offices in Manhattan, New Jersey. You know, and he's been doing a show here on WOR for years and years and years. Very uh, popular show and a great plastic surgeon. Everybody has questions on this subject, so uh, he's the guy to ask. Dr. Arthur Perry. No, the public wants to know. The public doesn't give a damn. <laughs> and I went to his office, and I said, mm. I said, look at my face. He goes, yeah, look at your face. We're going to do with your face. What can you do with his face? I go like that. I swear to God. I go, look at this. I'm getting old. Like I said, I want to maybe you could fix it up a little bit. Dr. Oz, are you there? I'm here, Arthur, and I want to get applaud you, having worked with you on a book and numerous other activities. You want to talk to Arthur Perry? The best in plastic surgery. Remarkable knowledge, but also your grace at delivering content, which is why it's been a blessing to have you on my show so many times. When I was a resident at the University of Chicago, we had a... That means you're smart. As a really, really gifted physician, uh, I want to pay you the, the highest tribute I can give to a surgeon, which is when people come to you, they don't come for an operation, they come for an opinion. And that's why I trust you with my uh, friends and relatives. I didn't realize we were going to get the Michael Jordan of plastic surgeon. 90210 bows to this guy. And welcome. This is Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. I hope you're all having a wonderful weekend, a hot weekend, a weekend with high ultraviolet light index. The UV index, it's really, really high. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. This is What's Your Wrinkle here on WOR. This is the show about you. It's a show about your skin, about your wrinkles, of course, your splotchy pigmentation, your large nose, your uh, how about your protuberant hips? How about your small thighs? We're going to talk about that tonight. This is the Plastic Surgery Show here on WOR. I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon, host of the show for 17 years on this station. And we're here to take your phone calls. The phone number at WOR is 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. Give me a call. Ask me the questions that have been keeping you up at night, not the ones about cardiology. I want to hear the ones about cosmetic surgery. Let's say you're going to the plastic surgeon this Tuesday. All right, you're going in. You have no idea what to do about that extra skin of your neck. You've heard about this Ulthera procedure. Could that be the one you need, or could it be a laser, or could it be a facelift, or, or maybe there's something else for you? Well, this is the opportunity to ask me these questions before you go into your consultation. So the phone number is 800-321-0710, and if you do call and you have a question for me, we'll send you a bottle of Daytime. Daytime is my SPF 23 sunscreen, and it is a sunscreen, but it's also a skin protector. It is, uh, it's got niacinamide in it. That's really good for your skin. Niacinamide and, and other things that protect your skin. And you might have heard about the controversy this week about sunscreen, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, fear not, uh, my product does not have anything like benzene in it. You might have heard about the Johnson & Johnson and Banana Boat and other products. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But we're going to be giving away bottles of daytime, and that's a sunscreen. Yeah, it's also just your uh, your one-stop shopping for skin care. If you want one thing in the morning to put on your skin, to protect your skin, get it ready for the day. Uh, use a, It acts as a foundation underneath your makeup. Use a powder makeup on top of it, and you're ready for the day. You don't need anything else. Just wash your face and go ahead and put daytime on and go about your day. In the evening, we've got nighttime, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But I've got so much planned for you today, really an awful lot, way too much for one show. We're going to talk about the craziest procedures in plastic surgery. I have a group of procedures that you just can't even believe are being done now. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We are going to talk about breast reduction surgery, and in particular, who should have it? 
who should not have it, and how about breast reductions in teenagers? Is that a good idea? We're going to talk about that during the show, and we'll start out by talking about the Johnson & Johnson recall. Have you heard about that? The recall on their sunscreen. I'm sure this is very upsetting for the Johnson & Johnson company because they certainly don't put benzene in their products. Benzene is a carcinogen. It's a known carcinogen. It's one of those things that has been around for a long time. It causes leukemias and, and other types of cancers. It causes anemia. It interferes with menstruation, uh, fertility. It's, it's a real bad chemical. And, I, you know, it's, it's funny. Those of you who took chemistry in college, back in the 70s when I did at Rutgers, boy, I'll tell you, you used benzene all the time. And we hardly protected ourselves from these chemicals. And we didn't know back in the 70s just how bad they were. I hope the chemistry labs in colleges and uh, high schools now really protect students from uh, those harmful chemicals. But, but when you buy a sunscreen, you expect it to be safe. You expect it to be clean. You expect it to do what it is supposed to do. So when the report came out a couple weeks ago that uh, there were something like 70 or so products in, uh, in commerce that have been contaminated with benzene, um, now granted there are a couple hundred that were not contaminated with benzene, but these are products that are sunscreens in, in common use. Uh, you know, that's very, very upsetting. So uh, five of those products were Johnson & Johnson products, Neutrogena products and Aveeno products and and uh, things, uh, mostly aerosols and, and others, and they found trace amounts of benzene. Now, can this hurt you? It's really very difficult to know, but there's no safe level of benzene. Uh, the FDA considers zero to be safe, nothing. Anything over zero is considered unsafe because it's one of the proven carcinogens. So they tested something like 300 sprays and lotions, and 78 of those, uh, including products sold by Banana Boat, Johnson & Johnson, and CVS, uh, came up with benzene. And, uh, and so to Johnson & Johnson's credit, they have voluntarily took, taken their products off the market. And they did that, I believe, uh, yesterday or today. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, you know, there's no way for you to check and see if your product has benzene in it because you, it's not on the label. It's not part of the process. It's a contaminant. That's what it is. And it's a contaminant pretty much in the chemical sunscreens, not the physical sunscreens. So my product, for instance, has zinc, o zinc oxide in it. It doesn't rely on getting into your skin. And it's the, the combination of a chemical sunscreen that has to actually permeate your skin in order to work. It has to. If it doesn't get in your skin, it doesn't work. That's a chemical sunscreen. The physical sunscreens stay on the surface of the skin they don't need to get in your body, and that's zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. I've been telling you this for, boy, I'll tell you, since the, uh, the day skin days, which uh, I created day skin, I guess that was uh, 2006, long time ago. Now we have daytime. Uh, but I've always thought that the, uh, the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide sunscreens were the safest. The FDA has affirmed that. They say those are the only absolutely safe sunscreens. Those are the ones you should be using. So now we have all these other products. You can go uh, to the uh, website of uh, the company. is called Valisure. Uh, Valisure is the, uh, the company that actually did the testing. And they listed all the sunscreens that they consider to be unsafe. That's Valisure. Uh, I'll spell it for you if you want to go to their website. V-A-L-I-S-U-R-E. Valisure. So you can look and see if your sunscreen has benzene in it. And if it does, don't use it. Send it back to the company. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's upsetting, but 
it's part of the manufacturing process, unfortunately, of all these chemicals, which is why I want to have my products as safe as possible. I want to have no chemical ingredients. I mean, everything's a chemical, of course, right? But we don't want, don't want any chemical sunscreen agents in my sunscreen. We want the physical ones, and I use zinc oxide. So that's the story on, on the, uh, the recall. Johnson & Johnson did it voluntarily. It's a great company, Johnson & Johnson. Everybody knows that. And when they have a problem with one of the products, they readily take it off the market. The other companies should follow suit. They haven't yet, but I'm sure they will. So that's the story with uh, benzene and, uh, and sunscreen. But sunscreen continues to be the most important thing you can do to prevent skin cancers. There's no question that ultraviolet light, the light of the sun, is a carcinogen. And, uh, you know, I, I have to say I got a fair amount of color this weekend in my skin. It only took me uh, about 15 minutes of uh, going out without a sunscreen. Yeah, that's right, because I wanted to get a little sun. But I got red. Uh, because it was a, a UV index of 9.3 today. That is astronomical, astronomical, and you really do need sunscreen. I always say put it on after 20 minutes, but I've got pretty light skin. I probably should have put it on after 10 minutes. Uh, I'll regret that this evening. Uh, don't you regret it. Use your sunscreen. And uh, mine is a 23. Uh, it says 20 on the label, but uh, it is a 23. It measures in at 23. I like the zinc oxide sunscreens. That's what's in daytime. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. The phone number 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. So I always look at the uh, procedures I do in plastic surgery as as really good for my patients. And, and I mean, that sounds sort of funny, right? You know, of course they're good. But, but there's a lot of procedures out there that are very questionable. And, and, you know, just because they're out there doesn't mean they should be performed. Just because physically a plastic surgeon can, can do a procedure, can accomplish a procedure, doesn't mean it should be done, right? You know that. If a patient came to me, I've, I've used this analogy before on the show, if a patient came to me and said, they looked at their hand last night, and they really just think that their hand would look so much better without the thumb. Those four fingers are so much more symmetrical. Let's get rid of the thumb. Will you do that for me? Of course, as a plastic surgeon, I wouldn't do that. And there's no plastic surgeon in the country, hopefully, that would remove a thumb to make your hand look better. Of course not. That's ridiculous, right? But if you look at some of the procedures that we do in cosmetic surgery, I'll tell you, some of them are pretty close to removing a thumb. So this week, I read a paper a new technique on reduction of the calf muscles. That's called the gastrocnemius muscle. Now, this was a paper out of Korea where this is, uh, believe it or not, very popular. Yeah, people don't like large calves. You know, I think a lot of people do like large calves. I just came from a soul cycle class. I'm still sweating from that. And uh, one of the goals is to build up your calves and build up your heart and, uh, and stay healthy, right? But a lot of people don't like big calves. So the paper... Uh, that was in Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery, the big journal, was uh, a new technique to reduce the gastrocnemius muscle, that's a calf muscle, using a, uh, a suction-assisted cartilage shaver, something that's meant to shave cartilage. And they go uh, you know, back and forth and remove strips of the gastrocnemius so that your leg looks better. Can you imagine this? Can you even imagine we're doing this? Now, I read the paper. There's 38% chance of major complications with the procedure. We're talking numbness, and we're not talk, just talking over where the uh, muscle was stripped, but over the, the foot, 
That's very dangerous when you have numbness of the foot. It affects your gait. It affects a lot of different things. You can get sores. There's surface irregularities. That's not so good. If you're looking to make your calf look better, you don't want it to be irregular in surface. Hematomas requiring surgery. The 15% of people got hematomas. That's a collection of blood. Flexion contractures, that's really bad around your, uh, your ankle. When you get a contracture, that means you can't properly move your foot. Not good, not good. Now, it was only 1.5%, but that's, you know, that's not low. That's not low, particularly if you get it. And then there were 18% scar problems with this procedure. Hyperpigmentation, that means brown pigmentation in the scar. Depressed scars, uh, those are ones that uh, kind of go in. And then there's hypertrophic scars. Those are scars that kind of go out or red, you know, and 18%. So if you add up the complications, you have 56% of people had a complication. And you know what? You read the paper, and the conclusion of the paper was, you would think what I would think, like, don't do this procedure, right? But no, no. It said uh, this procedure can be used effectively to reduce the calf muscle. Several mostly treatable complications were noted. Can you imagine that? Can you even imagine that? And this was published in Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery, which is a very good journal. All right, we're going to talk more about crazy procedures after we come back from our break. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, board-certified plastic surgeon, host of What's Your Wrinkle? 800-321-0710 is the phone number. 800-321-0710. We'll be back after these words. Did you know that most skincare is useless, even fraudulent, and often toxic? I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I needed great skincare for my patients, but really could not find products that dramatically improve skin health. So I went to the books, and I created a line of skincare that reduces the appearance of wrinkles and truly rejuvenates skin. I want everyone to try my products, and so for a limited time, I'm offering my Beauty in a Bottle Nighttime Serum at a great price. Normally, this is $65, but for WOR listeners, it's $40 plus shipping. Nighttime contains vitamins C and A, fruit acids, antioxidants, and skin brighteners. That's all you need for beautiful skin. It's so simple that your friends and relatives will be asking you, what are you doing to look so good? Go to drperrys.com, that's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com, or give us a call at 844-DR-PERRY. Use the WOR20 code for the discount. To learn more, listen every Saturday evening, 6 p.m., right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And we are back. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, board-certified plastic surgeon, host of What's Your Wrinkle for 17 years. And we just had a call from a, a very nice 89-year-old woman who she didn't give her name. She didn't want to go on the air. She just said she loves my show, thank you very much, and wants me to be on five nights a week. Well, you know, tell management, I'm here. I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> Actually, I do. I like doing this show on Saturday nights. Uh, but I'm not sure I want to do it every night, but uh, yeah, yeah, you never know. All right, the phone number, 800-321-0710. Uh, the question does come up, who is this guy on the radio? If you're listening for the very first time, if you're in your car on the New Jersey Turnpike or the LIE, which I was on for four and a half hours yesterday coming out to uh, the Hamptons. I'm uh, broadcasting live from Sag Harbor today. Uh, yeah, that's a tough ride, right? So if you're in your car You'll get there eventually, but, uh, you know, I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. I did uh, my general surgery residency at Harvard Medical School, 
a, a great place to learn how to be a doctor, that's for sure. Then I did a burn fellowship right here in Manhattan at New York Hospital, now New York Presbyterian. Then I uh, trained in plastic surgery at the University of Chicago, which calls itself the Harvard of the Midwest. And then I did a fellowship in facelift surgery uh, at uh, with a couple guys named Baker and Gordon in Miami. Not the Baker from New York, but the Baker and Gordon in Miami. And uh, then I joined the faculty of the medical school at Rutgers. That didn't last too long, but I'm still on the faculty of Columbia. I'm on the volunteer faculty at Rutgers also. I'm an adjunct associate professor at Columbia and a clinical associate professor at Rutgers. So that's who I am. That's uh, who is speaking to you tonight. I spent 10 years on New Jersey's Board of Medical Examiners, and that, that was an interesting ride. Those are the guys that make the rules, the regulations for other doctors and judge the bad doctors. I did that for 10 years. You don't make a lot of friends when you're on the board of medical examiners. It is actually interesting that when I joined the board of medical examiners, some of the people that referred to me stopped referring. And you know why? It's very interesting. You think, well, that's a career booster. But, but you know, a lot of people who uh, do questionable medicine may be uh, not the best doctors on earth. The last thing they want to do is send to uh, someone on the board of medical examiners. That's like, uh, that's like inviting the IRS uh, agent over to your house if you cheat on your taxes. You know, might not want to do that. So uh, it was interesting. But I gained a great perspective on plastic surgery and on medicine in general. I reviewed all the complaints uh, about surgery problems for 10 years in New Jersey. And it was very, very interesting, I have to say. Well, we were talking about the crazy procedures in cosmetic surgery, really crazy ones. You know, there are a lot of those. Um, one that came up, I actually had a patient who's uh, going to see me this week. She has thigh implants in. She's probably listening. I think she heard me on the show. And no names. I don't even know her name yet. I haven't seen her as a patient. But it is interesting that someone's coming to me to remove her thigh implants. Now, thigh implants are very, very uncommon. Very, there's probably only a few dozen in the United States each year, and for a good reason, right? If you want to build up your thigh muscles, uh, well, you go to SoulCycle like I did today, or you go to the gym, or you uh, just simply exercise or, or garden heavily. How about that? There's lots of ways to build up the muscles in your body. And I always say that, you know, I love doing implants. I do breast implants. I do chin implants. I do cheek implants. Not too many anymore of those because we have good filler. But certainly if you think of breast implants, there's no way for you to make your breasts larger except to put implants in. You can't do it. But you can make your buttocks larger. There are studies that have shown that in just something like six weeks of crunches, you can make your uh, buttocks something like 15% larger if you really want to try and do that. Uh, so if you want your buttocks or your thighs to be larger, everybody knows uh, the weight trainers have enormous thighs. That's the way to do it. You don't want to put a piece of silicone in your body. Certainly you don't want to put a piece of silicone in your thighs. Uh, that is not a great way to improve your, uh, the contour of your thighs. But, but yet, people are doing it, and uh, I'm going to be seeing someone uh, this week. So I'll tell you a little bit about it next week, uh, how that went. All right, so uh, crazy things, that's one of them. Uh, that got me uh, kind of interested in the topic tonight. Crazy things, thigh implants, uh, reducing the size of your calf. Kind of crazy, right? How about calf implants? You know, some people want their calves bigger. Some people want their calves smaller. So, again, calves are pretty easy. The gastrocnemius muscle, 
that's that big muscle of your uh, of your lower leg, the back of your uh, of your calf. It's also there's also a second one called the soleus muscle. Those of for those of you who are interested in the anatomy, we give you anatomy lessons on the show. The soleus and the gastrocnemius muscle, very easy, very easy to build that muscle up. You can do it by running, you can do it by bicycling, you can do it by swimming. You can even do it by just standing there and going on from tiptoe to heel to tiptoe to heel. And you do that about 50 times a day, twice a day, and your gastrocnemius muscles will grow fast, very fast. Why put an implant in there? And there are probably only a couple dozen of these calf implants in the United States each year. Uh, but they tend to get a lot of publicity. People talk about them. The articles are written about them. Not a good idea to do that. We'll talk more about crazy procedures in a few minutes, but I wanted to talk about something that's not at all crazy, not at all crazy, and that is, you know, we talked about the carcinogens in sunscreen. Now, you know, I have emails coming in. Talk about that. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe, but really about breast reduction. So breast reduction is a procedure that I do a lot of, and it is a, a very interesting procedure in that it has both cosmetic benefits and medical benefits. So people who have excessively large breasts, and I'm talking D-cup or bigger, uh, we're not talking a C, but sometimes with a C, people are complain about the size of their breasts. It's a very individualized thing. Uh, and we don't make judgments who thinks their breasts are too large. Uh, what is large for one person might be just fine for another person. But when they reach a certain size, you start getting symptoms. And those of you who have excessively large breasts know exactly what I'm talking about. The symptoms of large breasts include back and neck pain, back and neck pain, inability to wear normal size clothing, right? It just doesn't fit right because, you know, the clothing is made for a cookie cutter type model and uh, that model doesn't have enormous breasts, but uh, you might. So, you know, that is an issue. Uh, also, people this time of year, today it was 71% humidity and it was 90 or so degrees today. It was a terrible day to do exercise, but uh, a lot of you were out doing exercise and gardening and, and things like that. And you tend to chafe. You chafe your, uh, your breasts against, you know, the bottom of your breasts against the top of your abdomen or your, uh, your chest, yes. You also, you also tend to uh, chafe around your waist, around your pubic area, around your groin. So what do you do? By the way, you know, before we even get into the breast reduction procedure, uh, what you can do is, uh, is put cornstarch on every single day. And you should have cornstarch. You put it on every single day of the year, particularly this day. And you should ask your doctor. And again, I can't give you specific medical advice. This is a, a show to entertain. This is a show to educate. I can't be your doctor unless I am your doctor. But you, and you can have me as your doctor, but not through this radio show. But uh, it is uh, Nystatin. Nystatin is the anti-yeast powder. And it's the powder that you want to put on your body if you do get that rash, the rash. So if the chafing occurs today and tomorrow, it's not just kind of raw but itchy, that may well be a yeast rash. And one of the safest things you can actually do is put Nystatin. One of the, that's one of the safest uh, uh, powders, one of the safest drugs we know, uh, and it kills yeast very easily. So you use a powder, and you know what the dermatologists say, if it's wet, dry it, if it's dry, if it's dry wet it. You know, if, so if this is a wet rash, you'll want to use the powder 
And uh, if it happens to be a dry yeast rash, then you use the cream. That's my uh, my education <laughs> with dermatology. Uh, but certainly the uh, nystatin is something you want to do. So, so excessively large breast cause, back and neck strain, your bra straps dig into your shoulders, uh, and, uh, and certainly uh, pain of the back. So a breast reduction is a very common procedure. It's one that I do all the time, and it is a procedure that's done as an outpatient. Now, we used to do those as inpatients 30 years ago, but now they're always done as an outpatient. They used to be procedures where we had you donate your own blood, but the truth is um, I lose, actually it's you that actually loses the blood, about two ounces in a procedure like this. That's not a lot. If you go to the, the Red Cross or you go to Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital and donate a pint of blood, a pint, Right? then uh, you're going to donate that. You're going to sit for 10 minutes afterwards, have some cookies and apple juice, and drive yourself home. So you can, uh, you can have a much bigger blood loss than what we typically lose in a breast reduction or pretty much any cosmetic surgical procedures, by the way. The, the ones that we lose the most blood, liposuction. Liposuction, we'll lose one to two units of blood. And uh, at one unit, you're not particularly tired. At two units, you do get tired, and it takes a few days to uh, build back that blood. But, but for the most part, we're only going to lose about one unit. Uh, that's what's uh, uniformly considered reasonable with liposuction. But we lose much less with a breast reduction. So with a breast reduction, what my goal is is to keep the sensation to the nipple and keep the nipple intact. And, and that might sound funny to you, but there are some procedures with breast reductions where the nipple is removed. It's actually taken off like a skin graft. It's put in a piece of wet gauze on the back table for the operation. And then the breast is sculpted. I know a lot of you have hit the ground already with uh, fainting from this, listening to this one. But a breast reduction is quite a wonderful procedure because we sculpt your breast. If the nipple is uh, taken off, it's put back at the end of the procedure. I, by the way, never do that procedure. I keep the nipple attached to the breast tissue at all times. And the reason I do is because my training says it's never necessary to take off the nipple. People take it off because there's a chance of losing blood supply to the nipple during the procedure. And if you lose blood supply, well, then the nipple blisters, it gets scarred, it doesn't look good. Not a good situation. But if it's done properly, and, and I have to qualify that by saying even the best of surgeons occasionally have mishaps like that and it's not their fault it could be the blood supply to the nipple is different in you it could be that you have uh, a spasm of the blood supply to the nipple or something like that and yeah every surgeon has these issues every now and then but in my uh, opinion it's not uh, the reason to remove the nipple is not for that so I keep it on we keep the sensation to the nipple, and we also allow you to breastfeed. And in most cases, I have plenty of patients that I've done this operation on 10 and 20 years ago, and they love to call my office because they remember what I tell them. And when they have their children and they breastfeed, so many of them do call my office and say, I was able to do it, Dr. Perry. Thank you very much. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk more about breast reductions, specifically breast reductions in younger people, maybe in teenagers. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. 800-321-0710 is the phone number. We'll be back after these words. Ladies, are you looking older than you feel? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. Aging is inevitable. We all know that, but I can help you age gracefully. I start with Botox to lessen frown lines, and I use the new Restylane Kiss. What a great name to, well, you know, give you more kissable lips. No duck lips here. And I smooth the jawline and plump marionette lines with Juvederm. 
We might remove unsightly blemishes or even reduce splotchiness and rejuvenate the skin with a chemical or laser peel, or I can thicken crepey skin with Althera, and for the most dramatic rejuvenation, I perform short scar face and neck lifts. Let's sit down in my Somerset, New Jersey, or Beverly Hills offices for an hour consultation and come up with a plan to help you look better. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Check me out on the web at perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me, Dr. Arthur Perry, every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And we're back. This is Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. The phone number, 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. We're talking a little bit about breast reduction surgery. Have you had a breast reduction? If you, if you had, give me a call. Uh, are your scars okay? You know, the, the design of the operation is so that you can have scars. Everybody has scars. That's the thing. If you're a teenager, you really have to think very carefully if you're willing to have scars put on your breasts because it's a trade-off. A large breast with all the symptoms of excessively large breasts for a smaller breast, but a breast with scars. There's a scar around the areola. That's the pigmented area around the nipple. There's a vertical scar between the bottom of the areola and the crease. And then there is a, uh, a scar in the crease itself. So what do, what do we get when you, uh, when you have a breast reduction? Well, you actually get better exercise tolerance. And if you go to a pulmonary doctor, you can actually measure that your ability to expand your breast is, your uh, breath, <laughs> rather, your lungs is greater if you don't have this weight. You know, I've taken as much as 10 pounds of breast tissue off of women. And if you have that sitting on your chest, it's very difficult to exercise. Your exercise tolerance is lower. And you can't take that deep a breath. You can't because you've got this weight on your chest. So those things all improve. So they looked at breast reductions in teenagers. And the youngest in this series was 13 years old. And, uh, and they looked pretty much uh, at just teenagers to see, you know, what were the risks, what were the benefits. And, uh, and the, uh, the bottom line is that it's considered a safe procedure. About, about 12% of women did regrow breast tissue if they had it very early. So, you know, we do try and, and operate on you when the breast tissue has stopped growing. And you know when that is, when your bra stops changing. And that may be... 13, that may be 15, that may be 17, probably not older. But we like to do that. If we, if we can't, you know, if your breasts are so large that you just can't participate in sports, you can't wear clothing that's uh, proper, and perhaps you get teased, then we might consider operating early with the understanding that we might have to go back a few years later and take a little more breast tissue. And if we do have to do that, we can go back through the very same incisions that we made. There are no extra incisions, and we can remove a little bit more breast tissue. So when we do remove the breast tissue, we, uh, of course, even in a 16-year-old or a 20-year-old, we want to send all the tissue to pathology. That's a rule. That's a dictum in plastic surgery. It goes to the pathologist, and they comb through it and make sure everything's okay. And certainly in someone younger than 40, I haven't had any uh, issues. But I've had two breast cancers that I've found in women over 40. And the way I do it is I send three specimens from each breast so I know exactly where the tissue was, and uh, and both of those women wound up having, actually one had a mastectomy, and one is being watched in a clinic at Sloan Kettering uh, to make sure that uh, her pre-malignant type of disease, it wasn't a breast cancer, it was pre-malignant, 
uh, doesn't develop into a cancer. So uh, it's important to do that if your plastic surgeon doesn't send it to pathology, even if you're a young person. Question why, because, uh, you know, it's hard to say it's malpractice, but uh, I think I will say it's malpractice if you don't send that tissue uh, to pathology. It's not a good practice to do. So when we do these breast reductions, we expect that you're, you're able to have sensation in your nipple, and the vast majority of women, something like 90% in this particular study, did have sensation. And I tell my patients, you know, there are other studies that say ah, a third of people lose sensation in their nipple, one nipple or another. But in my practice, it's a very rare event. Probably, you know, I can kind of count on one hand the number of people. So it's less than 5% that have uh, lost sensation in, uh, in their nipples. And the goal of this operation is to preserve sensation. So as plastic surgeons, we know where the nerves to the nipples go, and we want to avoid them. It's kind of that simple. That doesn't mean it's always possible because we may do as good a job as we can, and you may have a numb nipple. Interestingly, I've had uh, more women had ver have very sensitive nipples after the breast reduction procedure, so sensitive that they had to put Band-Aids on their nipples afterwards. And the reason for that is when the breast is on stretch, when it's very large and the nipple is stretched out, the nerves don't fire properly to the nipple. And so a lot of women that, who have very large breasts really don't have much sensation in their nipple. And after they have the breast reduction, you know, all of a sudden it's like having the electricity turned on and bang, you've got sensation in the nipples. So, uh, and that may be not a, uh, an enjoyable thing in the beginning, and eventually the sensation uh, kind of changes. Uh, but a lot of women do have to have uh, you know, a little coverage with a Band-Aid afterwards for, for a week or a month or, or even a few months. So uh, a breast reduction is considered a very safe procedure in teenagers. We do not have to wait until you're in your 20s. Uh, the study that was published this, this week in our journal uh, pretty much showed that. By uh, They looked at uh, a bunch of different, something like 20 different papers written about teenage breast reduction, and it is considered safe. It is considered effective, and uh, I have yet to meet a woman who, I had, who has had a breast reduction who is not happy with a breast reduction. It's really true because, yes, it's a procedure for cosmetic benefit, but this is a procedure, like a few others in plastic surgery, that give you medical benefit. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. The phone number, 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. I want to talk for just a moment about Plexiderm. How many of you have used Plexiderm? I bet you a lot of you because you've heard me talk about it on this station. You've also seen the phone, uh, the uh, the commercials on TV, on cable TV, you know, it's a, a product that uh, I have recommended to many of my patients. And so many of my patients have actually come in and said, you know, I could be in your commercials for Plexiderm because I love it. I use it all the time. It's not a medical treatment. It's not skin care. What Plexiderm is, is a way to reduce the bags of your eyes in just a few seconds, really just a few seconds. So, you know, I'd really love to perform a blepharoplasty on you. That's the, uh, the eyelid lift. I do those procedures. I love doing the procedures. They have lasting benefit. But I, for some reason, not everybody wants to have surgery. I'm not exactly sure why. I enjoy it so much. But those of you out there might not want surgery. And so uh, they created this product called Plexiderm. And you put it on your skin. And in just a few minutes, I said a few seconds, well, you know, 180 seconds, it will, uh, it will actually cure. It'll dry on your skin. And the bags under your eyes magically go away. They really do. I mean, this stuff works. 
it's you know it's it's a chemical it's a silicone material that when it dries it just compresses and it looks better wrinkles get better you can even put it on your jowls it'll lift your jowls a little bit you can put it on crepey skin it looks better as soon as you wash it off though the wrinkles come back so you have to be careful so if you check your makeup in the ladies room my friends be careful that you don't wash off the plexiderm or bring some back with you. So it's great if you want to go on a date and, you know, you've got those bags under your eyes and you've been on, uh, you know, those uh, websites uh, and uh, you finally met the guy and you're really self-conscious about your eyelids. Well, plexiderm is what you have to do. Or if you're going on TV. You know, I know a lot of people, and this is really true, no names here, but I know a lot of people who use it every single day when they go on the air. So Plexiderm, 800-925-9963 is the phone number. And if you use that number, you're going to get 50% off Plexiderm. 800-925-9963. You get 50% off Plexiderm. And if you don't like it, if for some reason you say, this is not for me, return it to the company. And they won't give you a hard time, but if there's anything, you call me up, and I will go to bat for you. We'll make sure you get a refund. So Plexiderm, 800 800- Nine two five nine nine six three. That's Plexiderm. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. No, we're going to take our break a little bit early. Give me a call, 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. We'll be back after these words. Did you know that most skincare is useless, even fraudulent, and often toxic? I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I needed great skincare for my patients, but really could not find products that dramatically improve skin health. So I went to the books and I created a line of skincare that reduces the appearance of wrinkles and truly rejuvenates skin. I want everyone to try my products, and so for a limited time, I'm offering my Beauty in a Bottle Nighttime Serum at a great price. Normally, this is $65, but for WOR listeners, it's $40 plus shipping. Nighttime contains vitamins C and A, fruit acids, antioxidants, and skin brighteners. That's all you need for beautiful skin. It's so simple that your friends and relatives will be asking you, what are you doing to look so good? Go to drperrys.com, that's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com, or give us a call at 844-DR-PERRY. Use the WOR20 code for the discount. To learn more, listen every Saturday evening, 6 p.m., right here on WOR. Ladies, are you looking older than you feel? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. Aging is inevitable. We all know that, but I can help you age gracefully. I start with Botox to lessen frown lines, and I use the new Restylane Kiss. What a great name! To, well, you know, give you more kissable lips. No duck lips here. And I smooth the jawline and plump marionette lines with Juvederm. We might remove unsightly blemishes or even reduce splotchiness and rejuvenate the skin with a chemical or laser peel, or I can thicken crepey skin with Ulthera. And for the most dramatic rejuvenation, I perform short scar face and neck lifts. Let's sit down in my Somerset, New Jersey or Beverly Hills offices for an hour consultation and come up with a plan to help you look better. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Check me out on the web at perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me, Dr. Arthur Perry, every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? 
And we are back. This is Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. And we're broadcasting today live from Sag Harbor, New York, in the Hamptons. And I'm actually looking out the window right now at this uh, a giant turkey. Not kidding. There's two turkeys outside the window. And, uh, you know, they don't have those in the, I guess they do have them in New Jersey. But uh, they're out here in Sag Harbor. All right. 800-321-0710 is the phone number. 800-321-0710. Earlier in the show, we were uh, talking about some of the crazy procedures in cosmetic surgery. And it, it never ceases to amaze me what some people will do. So in the journal this month, this month, it was uh, in Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Global Open Journal in the July issue. I'm sure you all read that one. There was a uh, paper on waist narrowing narrow the waist without removal of the ribs because some people are removing the ribs. Can you imagine this? Can you even imagine removing your ribs to have a, a skinnier waist? Well, some people are actually doing it. I think it is absolutely crazy. So, And, and, and these uh, authors also thought, well, removing the ribs is crazy. Let's just break them. <laughs> and that's what they did in this particular study. They, uh, they broke the ribs. And then they put on a tight corset for two months and uh, let the rib fractures heal. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and then they actually got a reduction in the waistline by about, eh, about three or so inches. Uh, maybe some of that is because they had rib fractures. They couldn't eat properly and maybe lost weight. I don't know. But, uh, you know, this was published. There are doctors that are going to do it. They're going to actually crack the ribs bend them in so you have a skinnier waist. Well, you know, let's think about this for a minute. You know, I'm here to provide you with a service to make you look better, to make you healthier. How could this make you look healthier? If you really look at the function of the ribs and what happens when someone traumatically loses a rib, well, I can tell you that you actually lose respiratory function. There's a, there's a linear relationship between loss of ribs and loss of respiratory function. And it depends on uh, where the rib is lost. Uh, if it's an upper rib, you lose less function. The worst ribs to lose in a, uh, in a traumatic injury are the ribs in the bottom of the rib cage. Those are exactly the ones that are fractured or taken out when, uh, when people uh, want to make their waists skinnier. Can you imagine this? So uh, you can actually decrease the amount of air that you bring in by something like 38%. Can you imagine that? 38%. How about that? So you're trading. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed at some of these procedures. You're trading your respiratory function to have a skinnier waist. Now, how stupid is that, right? I mean, but this is what some people are doing in plastic surgery. I think it's just terrible. It really is. It's just, you know, you have to be very careful. You, yeah, they say that if you have an open wallet, you're, uh, you're certainly going to be able to find someone who will take your money and do what you want. You have to protect yourself because when you do these things, you know, you take a rib out or crack a rib and, you know, it's not malpractice. It's, uh, it's not criminal. These are procedures that are being done. It's just stupid. You know, it really is. It's stupid from the doctor's standpoint and stupid from the patient's standpoint. From the patient, you know, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but this show is all about giving you the education so that you can protect yourself from dumb things, and there are so many out there. Uh, you know, so don't get your rib removed to look better. So, you know, that's another one of these uh, kind of ridiculous procedures. How, how about others? Are, are there more? Here's, here's more. How about 
Do you, uh, do you ever see these lumps in the neck that are caused by uh, your salivary glands? They're called the submandibular salivary glands. And everybody has them, right? You know, they're, they're in your neck. And, and sometimes when I do a facelift, I warn people in advance. I say, well, you know, you've got very large salivary glands. And after your facelift, we're going to be removing fat. We're going to be bringing the muscle together. And you're going to see these salivary glands. Right now, they're hidden in all the fat and, and, uh, and muscles in your neck. But you're not going to be hidden. They're not going to be hidden after the facelift. So I warn people. And a good plastic surgeon will do that. And, uh, and I do many, many facelifts. It's one of my favorite procedures. I do what's called the short scar facelift. And that means uh, we don't go into the hairline. We don't go behind the ear anymore, except for a very short distance, so that you can go into the pool. Uh, you can get out of the pool and, and not have your incisions be seen. That's good. Now, how about those lumps in the neck, though, that you don't like? So you say to the plastic surgeon, is there any way maybe to remove those lumps. And the plastic surgeon says, well, they're your salivary glands. That's not the smartest idea to remove those. Um, and you say, well, you know, can I get by without them? And this is how it goes, by the way. And the doctor will say, well, you know, I mean, there is a procedure to remove either the entire or part of the salivary gland. We can do that. There's actually a guy in Boston who's a very, very good plastic surgeon who does this skillfully. But the problem is, I mean, he may be able to do it without causing nerve injury and without causing bleeding, which is one of the big complications of removing these salivary glands. But what he can't do, and what no one can do, is, uh, is account for the decrease in saliva that your salivary gland provides. So, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Because when there's a, people, some people get stones in your salivary gland, and they're painful, and the salivary gland uh, expands and you have to have surgery to remove the stone and usually a, por a portion of the salivary gland. And there's a great amount of literature uh, talking about preserving the majority of the salivary gland so that you don't get a dry mouth problem, right? Makes sense, right? And here we are, for cosmetic reasons, completely disregarding that and just removing these lumps in the neck. Ah, it's crazy. It's crazy. There are many of these crazy procedures in plastic surgery. We're not even talking about the Brazilian butt lift, or should we? You know, that's a procedure that I've written about. I wrote an essay in USA Today about, I guess it's about two years ago, and I've been interviewed in the last two weeks, once by the New York Times. They're publishing an article on the Brazilian butt lift, the craziness with it, and uh, and also by some Internet uh, um, newspaper, you know, and uh, so... It's emerging in popularity again, and why is it? Well, it's a popular procedure, and it's also a deadly procedure. It is uh, the most deadly procedure in all of cosmetic surgery right now. I've talked about this on the show a lot. The Brazilian butt lift uh, is not a butt lift at all. It is a butt augmentation, a buttocks augmentation, where fat is taken from your belly or your thighs and injected into your buttocks. Sounds great, right? Yeah, we won't talk too much about this because I have before. Uh, the problem is the uh, pesky complication of injecting blood into the blood vessels travels to the lungs and you simply die. And how many? Four, five, six hundred people have died from the Brazilian butt lift, and yet it's still being done. I just don't think it's a safe procedure or a procedure that should be done. Uh, you know, it's a funny thing now. I spent the first 20 years of my career making buttocks smaller, and now people want their buttocks larger can't quite figure that one out. And what happens, by the way, let's say you have your successful Brazilian butt lift procedure today, and you go through time, and now it's 10 years down the line, and you begin to get sagging of your buttocks, and it's 20 years down the line, and 
you get all that cellulite. Boy, I'm telling you, we're going to be seeing an epidemic of women who succeeded in having the Brazilian butt lift, and now they have the worst-looking buttocks you can possibly imagine as they get older, and that buttocks, uh, it begins to sag. Some of that fat goes away over time, and uh, it's going to look like the, uh, the dark side of the moon. Sorry to say that. Uh, that's another one I wouldn't do. So now how about, have you ever had tobesity? You know what tobesity is? Tobesity is chubby little toes. It really is. You know, that's, I'm telling you, that's a condition. Uh, my studio audience is laughing, and my studio audience is a, uh, what is that, a Scottish terrier, I believe, and, and some other people. Uh, there were two turkeys in my, uh, outside the window that were in my studio audience today. So tobesity, that's, that's a real entity, and there are people who actually perform liposuction on toes. I'm not kidding. You can't make this stuff up. They perform all sorts of cosmetic surgery on toes, on ankles. Uh, you know, there are people that actually remove toes to get narrower feet. And I was joking about the finger, you know, removing your thumb before, but it actually happens. People are doing this. This is more craziness in plastic surgery. That's also podiatry and orthopedic surgery. They're doing these things. It really is kind of nutty out there, isn't it? You have to protect yourself from these procedures, and you have to protect yourself from doctors willing to take your money. Uh, you know, the vast majority of doctors would never do things like this. 99% of doctors are upstanding people who went into medicine because they want to serve, they want to help people get better, they take good care of patients. But there's a small percentage of people that do things like obesity surgery. You know, they suction fat from your toes so that you can fit into your shoes a little better. That gets kind of crazy, don't you think? And uh, I always say one area of the body you really don't want to mess around with unless you have to is the foot. Because if you have an errant procedure on your foot, you know, whether it's uh, for a scar, even a bunion, you have to be very, very careful uh, who you choose to do your bunion surgery. That's not a plastic surgeon, by the way. It's an orthopedic surgeon usually. You want to be very careful, get the foot and ankle uh, uh, expert to do that kind of a surgery because if you have a problem with that surgery, you'll be limping the rest of your life. And that will absolutely change your life forever. So, you know, it's not so funny to think of, uh, well, you know, they're just doing some suction on your ankles. Or there are people that inject all sorts of fillers into your feet to make it look better. Not, not a great idea. Really not a great idea. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. The phone number 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. And by the way, before we go on with crazy procedures, uh, I want you to check out my website. It's periplasticsurgery.com. I usually kind of squeeze that in at the end of the show, but today we'll... Uh, We'll talk about it just a little bit. The, uh, the website talks about the procedures that I do. I'm a real plastic surgeon. I uh, operate several days a week. I operate in New Jersey now, and we're opening up that Tribeca Surgery Center very soon. I'll keep you informed uh, when we're back in Manhattan and back at the, uh, the wonderful surgery center that uh, Dr. Tepper and Dr. Uh, Garfine and I are uh, putting together in, uh, in Tribeca. So we're going to talk about that more in weeks to come. Uh, but I'm a real plastic surgeon. I do these procedures every uh, every day. And you can check out the procedures that I do on my website, periplasticsurgery.com. And I have, uh, of course, a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Not too active on Instagram, but uh, we're trying to uh, beef that up a bit. But on Facebook, there's two pages. There's one for uh, the skincare, and there is also one for me, Dr. Arthur Perry. So you can check those out. 
And, uh, and if you're interested in the products that I talk about on the show, it's drperrys.com. That's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com. So we're talking about the crazy procedures in plastic surgery. Um, interestingly, I saw a woman last week. I talked a little about her on the show. She called with pain in her breasts. Uh, she has had, now I've had the opportunity to review her operative notes. She's got breast implants in and she's had, to my count, five procedures over the last 20 years on her breasts. Uh, she had a procedure where breast implants were placed in front of the muscle. And then she had a problem with the breast implants, so they were placed behind the muscle. And then she had a problem, so the implants were taken out, and uh, actually they had ruptured. And she had a lot of silicon removed from that area. Then she had saline implants put back in. And then the, those gave her problems. They deflated, and she had... Uh, gel implants put back in, and that's what she has now. And I think there are about five different procedures that she had. Uh, interestingly, in one of her procedures, she had a collapsed lung, and the plastic surgeon, I read in the, uh, the notes, the plastic surgeon said, no, this had nothing to do with me. It was the anesthesiologist. Well, you know, it's a known complication of breast augmentation surgery that you can get a collapsed lung, a punctured lung. Heaven forbid I've never done that. Thank you. Uh, I hope I never do. Uh, I have looked at cases uh, when I was on the board of medical examiners of people who did have collapsed lungs. Uh, in fact, that's the reason I do procedures under general anesthesia instead of local anesthesia. When I do breast augmentations, I used to do them under local anesthesia with sedation. And women did like that. You can successfully numb up the chest with what's called rib blocks. And, uh, and then we can do it under local anesthesia with sedation. However, um, I remember when I was on the board of medical examiners, a young woman went into her pharmacy, not my patient, but I reviewed this case. She went into the pharmacy with pain after a breast augmentation, uh, and uh, she said, I'm having pain, and, and she went to get her narcotic prescription filled. And in the pharmacy, she collapsed and died from what's called a pneumothorax, a collapsed lung. It's a known complication, and if that uh, technique is used, then certainly what should be done is a chest x-ray afterwards to make sure that the lung is inflated because otherwise you can get a ca catastrophic complication like that young woman had. So that's why I changed my technique when I, when I read about these procedures that actually can cause those problems. And I no longer offer breast augmentations under local anesthesia. I do them under general anesthesia. And if there are anesthesiologists listening to this show, they will agree with me that a good, safe general anesthetic is far greater in most cosmetic surgery cases than excessive amounts of lidocaine or rib blocks to, uh, to numb you up with a breast augmentation procedure. Not a good idea. So there's different ways to do this, and that's why I do these procedures now in surgery centers. I no longer operate in my office. Never had a problem in the office, but I just feel that for you and for my family, I'd want to be operated on in a surgery center as opposed to an office. That's not saying that you can't. They are considered safe. But when you think of uh, the things that can happen, you know, I'd kind of rather be in a surgery center. Not a hospital, by the way. Not a hospital. That goes too far. In a hospital, they're kind of clunky hospitals, you know, the whole thing. They make you go to admitting. It's a big uh, hullabaloo there. Is that a word that anyone uses anymore? Uh, I think the ideal place for cosmetic surgery is in a surgery center with a lot of doctors and a lot of nurses if there is a particular problem. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. Tonight we've been talking about the crazy things in plastic surgery. One final thing about that case, I, the reason I brought that up is uh, that breast augmentation, the one, the woman with the pain in her breast, I have yet to operate on her, I will. She's having an MRI this week. Uh, but one of the things that I found in the note was that 
yeah, she, one of her implants was taken out, and then the next guy who operated on her said, wait a minute, this guy, the prior guy, left one of her implants in. He took, <laughs> you, you can't make this stuff up. There's crazy things that we see when we read everybody else's operative notes and things. All right, we'll talk more about that next week. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. We've got a very special guest next week. I think we're going to have a nutritionist on the show. That should be interesting. Uh, we'll talk about nutrition and looking better. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This has been What's Your Wrinkle? And uh, my phone number in New Jersey is 732-422-9600, 732-422-9600. If you do want to get a hold of me during the week, I am a real plastic surgeon. I operate virtually uh, every day, whether it's a minor procedure or a major procedure, doing Botox and fillers and facelifts and breast augmentations and all those procedures. You can give me a call, and uh, I'd be happy to see you as a patient if you're a candidate for the surgery. Once again, I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. Perry Plastic Surgery is the website. Noah. Thanks so much for great engineering. As usual, we'll see everybody 6 p.m. next week. Stay safe. Use your sunscreen. Bye-bye now.